The Department of Basic Education, in partnership with SABC Education, are celebrating literacy this month by hosting the annual National Spelling Bee competition on the 21st of September 2019. The National Spelling Bee is aimed at improving learners' performance in languages, especially English. This year, 27 spellers from grades 4 to 6 across the nine provinces will battle it out to be a top 2019 national speller in the competition. SABC Education, enriching minds, enriching lives. SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. On The Viewpoint. A couple of weeks ago, we had twice on consecutive Mondays, Dr. Bandila Masugu, the MEC for Department of Health and Gauteng. He promised us he would return, and he is. He's recently completed 100 days in office. During his report back, 100 days in office, that is, the MEC acknowledged that while it is still early days in the past 100 days' work, it signifies that the health department here, the story is beginning to evolve and that they have set themselves the ambitious goal of building a people-centered, clinic-led and stakeholder-driven healthcare system. He has also announced the launch of Umbilo, an app intended to handle complaints in the system with the required subtlety and dignity of human beings concerned. On the 10th of September at Chris Annie Baragwanath Hospital, that statement was read out to the people and we've now invited the MEC, Dr. Bandili Masuku, to just give us a synopsis of his first 100 days in office. So without further ado, his voice follows. Good evening, sir. Good evening and thanks for having us. Indeed. Indeed, again, and thank you so much. I mean, I think what we need to say up front, thank you so much for respecting your community. Thank you so much for respecting the people of the country. And thank you for honoring your word by saying you're going to come back and you do come back. It's now happened a third time when we spoke casually about the need to have this conversation. You agreed when we met sometime in downtown Joburg, in Parktown, actually, in Joburg, not even downtown. From that discussion, we confirmed that you would be on studio. You were in studio. You said you'd be back a week later. You were. Thank you so much for that. Thank you now for saying, because you had said after 100 days you'd be happy to be back. And here you are. Thank you as well to your chief of staff, Mr. David Mamela, if he's listening, just for working with SAFM for the purposes of really changing the narrative about an accountable and transparent government. It's not always going to be smooth and plain sailing, but we appreciate nonetheless the fact that we've got you in audience. No, I think, I think that's, the, that's the approach that we have, that we want to be responsive uh, in, in whatever issues that we deal with, particularly with issues of health, because there is element of agency when we have to deal with um, issues that relate to people's lives. So we are clear that uh, in terms of our approach, we'll be responsive, we'll deal with each complaint as it comes, and we will try to deal with all the other systemic problems uh, uh, which we have confronted in identified. Let's talk about the fact that on the 10th of September you delivered your 100 days in office and coincidentally it is also World Suicide Prevention Day. For us in Gauteng it is a day to reflect on the work we do to fix and improve our mental health care services so that we arrest the, sh- the surging mental health scourge which also appears to be a global phenomenon. L- let's talk about this because just the other day, yesterday, um, Minister in the Presidency, Jackson Mtembo, tweeted that yesterday would have been his daughter's birthday, Kwezi, who would yesterday have turned 25. And as soon as it had happened, he had spoken out about this. And we don't need to go through the list of many prominent South Africans who have lost their lives to the condition of depression and related mental health conditions that continue to afflict the people. What has your office been able to come up with as a strategy to combat what you, in your words, have confirmed is a global phenomenon? I think the issue of, of depression or generally the, you know, the mental health uh, problem 
has become an epidemic. And what we have done learning from uh, you know, a large epidemic is that we need to be able to, to build a, a contingency or a platoon of people in the community who will be able to assist and be the first ones who will be able to screen their, 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 their you know, next of kin, to be able to screen their, their kids, because those are issues that we need to deal with and be able to reflect on them as early as possible, because the more they become isolated and deep into the, into the condition, it becomes difficult to approve them. So I think the strategy here is just to make sure that we are able to teach ourselves, teach the community, to be able to realize if there is a problem with the person that is your friend, your person that is your colleague, and be able to offer, you know, some help and offer offer them some avenue to talk issues through. Because most of the time, if you are able to talk the issues through, you'll be able to actually identify and even assist uh, the person that you are talking to. Without any clinical training of any kind, but what limited research and reading I have done on on, on mental health-related issues, it's oftentimes a symptom of what is happening in society that, in the true sense, depresses somebody, be it socioeconomic circumstances, be it the pressure to meet certain standards or threshold by a certain time that are not met, and generally having so much access to other people's lives and almost reflecting those lives against that of yours, it doesn't lend itself well to the phenomenon of mental health challenges in this country and the world over. Is that not a fair point to make? No, it is a fair point, but also we have to appreciate that there is a, a social, socio-economic uh, uh, sector that drives this phenomenon. You know, even the issues that relate to substance abuse. You know, you'd, you'd find that people make some anecdotal uh, uh, comments about the usage of alcohol in our in our society, but it also reflects from the past that we come from, which other people think that because of 25 years of of democracy. The past that you come from will be easily be wiped out and we'll just forget that it has a significant impact on our our social uh, mental uh, makeup. But Granted. I think that we, we need to, to be very vigilant and be aware. You know, I think the most important thing is to be aware of your be surroundings vigilant. and the people that you interact with. Okay, sure. Hold the thought. We're going to talk about NHI just quickly. We have to take a quick ad break. I'm sorry for that. But we're going to talk NHI with the MSC for Gauteng Health, Dr. Bandila Masuku, right after this. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. On page three of your account of 100 days as the MEC for Gauteng Health, this is what you said in respect to the NHI. In respect of the national health insurance, we have contributed immensely to the NHI bill, which is now published for public comment. We continue to mobilize our social partners to be friends of the NHI and have 293 ideal clinics that are NHI ready. By the end of 2019, we will have all our 24-hour community health centers fully functional across the province with the bouquet clinical services such as x-ray, emergency services, etc. That reads well, but to the extent that anything that has been largely reported outside government circles on the NHI, the reception has not been at all that great. What can we expect from the public comment process, what you have heard leading commentators in healthcare and in the unions say, relative to what government is nonetheless punting? I'm not, I'm not really uh, agreeing with you when you say there's a lot of negative comments, you know, but 
I think in the conversations that we have had with different stakeholders, the conversation has turned away from being an anti-universal uh, health coverage, NHI, to be how we can make it work for South Africa. And I think that's the conversation that for us we have been leading and we are going to continue to engage you know, the stakeholders from the public uh, participation uh, process. We are expecting all our partners who have uh, declared their support for NHI, who have declared their support for the universal health coverage, will come out in their numbers and also reflect on, on their standpoint. There are things that we are not going to uh, uh, somehow uh, uh, give up on or actually concede, particularly the issue of the single payer system particularly the issue of re-engineering the health system to make it a primary healthcare-based type of actual uh, system and to make sure that we invest more money uh, into the majority, you know, the downtrodden. But emphasizing again that NHI is about social solidarity. It's about those who have, subsidizing that those who doesn't have, those who are sick, and sometimes those who are sick and mainly old, will be subsidized by the young and the healthy. So the issue of social cohesion also comes in into the deliberation about NHI, which is the most important thing. And it's all about the people and it's not about business or private sector. One of the overriding critics is that government doesn't have the political will to see through any project with a relative success, unscathed in the context of how public funds are spent and subsequently accounted for, and the conviction in the critical stakeholders in the public health care system to make sure this NHI doesn't become another failed democratic project. How would you quell those anxieties for those who have such views? Yeah, I think the, you know, those views mainly come from the opposition parties, you know, who in essence are, are not interested in serving, you know, the majority of our people who really need the service, who really need the quality of health care. Because for us in Houting, we have taken a, a posture that says that NHI for us will be a discussion about the quality of the healthcare system, and it's, it's you know it's all about that. So everyone who will always talk about uh, you know corruption or mismanagement, mainly those are true things, and we know that we have to strengthen the governance areas, we have to strengthen the leadership uh, aspect of, of of the public healthcare system, and we don't take uh, anything for granted. But we are clear that we are confident that we will be able to to actually navigate this uh, process moving forward. I, I, are you not dismissive, perhaps, when you say this is the view of the opposition? I'm not entirely sure that's the view of the opposition. Let's for a moment assume that it is. The opposition in this country account for four and a half people out of ten because the ANC walked away with just on 54%. So that's sizable. It's nearly half of the people then in that re- God, as you have said, is the opposition. The opposition account for nearly half of this country on present fact. Now, if they were representing people in that respect, they would be representing over 20 million South Africans, as it were. Whether or not that's in the majority, that is still nonetheless a significant portion of the people, of the community, who feel somewhat skeptical about the rollout of this program. No, I'm not, I'm not being dismissive. I think the, the, the role of leadership and government in improving the quality of health care is very important. And we have we have noted that, and it's something that we we, we we have put into place systems that are going to make sure that we strengthen government. The processes that we are we are watching every day in our screen of the Zondo Commission actually talks to those because those are 
are lessons, life lessons that we, we are learning from and that we need to avoid moving forward. And I think anyone who will go and repeat the same things that we have seen happening and, uh, and has been uh, reported in this commission will not be a person that will be uh, quite uh, crude up or comprehensive of the issue. So we are saying that, yes, we are worried about corruption, and corruption is a national uh, problem or international problem that we all as a society have to deal with it. But it doesn't mean that we can't take initiatives that is going to serve the majority of our people only on the basis of the fears that other people and skepticism other people tell you. Fair point. Let's ask penultimate question and have 293 ideal clinics that are NHI ready. Do you want to unpack the statement, please? What's ideal clinics that are NHI ready? You know, this is a this is this was a, a research or not a, a survey done by the Office of the Health Standard Compliance uh, in the year 1718, which they looked at all our clinics uh, that uh, we have built uh, over the years. And they've, they've made their determination that they are actually making the part in terms of the ideal clinic service. There are things that they look at. I think the parameters that they look at, one of them is the issue of uh, cleanliness, the issue of the waiting time that they look at, and also the issue of patient safety. So at that time, that's where we were, and we are hoping that with the new uh, results coming out for the current financial year, uh, it will be much better and we'll be saying uh, something different, you know. Our intention is not to go back to reverse the situation, is to make sure that we improve and go further. Let's talk about the transfer of the economy in the healthcare sector. Serious concentration among those who have been there and or who are there, the big groups. Talk about medical schemes, talk about health hospital groups. But in the downstream, in the sort of distribution of healthcare, specifically from not just your practitioner groups, but in terms of businesses that support an establishment of these massive corporations, you met with 350 small businesses who supply goods and services to health in Harting. Can you talk us through that in terms of what you envisage coming out of that discussion with those suppliers? I think the, the main one was the issue of giving them and reassurances of the commitment that part of our spending will be used to build up small businesses and it will be used to empower. And that's what the first point. And the second point was also to build a cordial relationship because we had, we had had a faulty type of relationship with business in terms of our late payments and all that. And we had given them the picture of how the expenditure is and we are transparent with them on how we're going to improve it. We are happy that the e-invoicing, which is an automated system of processing invoices, eventually made us to improve even on our on our 30-day 30, 30 uh, 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 target to pay invoices. So that conversation was quite important. I was actually taken aback and overwhelmed by the response from the uh, small businesses and our service providers. Because the that's conversation, system. what we yeah. heard with the sure. big businesses that we have had with is that they must also demonstrate in whatever things that they do that they are going to empower more of our young people and the disabled and even uh, young women going forward. Let's talk about that because procurement in this country for the most part is one seriously polluted enterprise with persons who use 
if you like, the human factor that is a shortcoming in the procurement enterprise, because it's not watertight, for their own unconstitutional, undemocratic, anti-rule of law, frankly corrupt means. Small businesses, a lot of the time, bear the brunt of that in that if they do not have a brown envelope to ensure either another tender or to ensure timeless payment, they are frustrated by those in the public contracting spaces who simply abuse the system, including but not limited to not paying on time for work that has otherwise been delivered according to the specification. And that obviously has a serious knock-on effect to those small players who cannot absorb it, much less follow up on their money through the expensive litigation process. Then what is happening internally to ensure that what conversations you have had with small businesses will indeed happen when they are not there in front of your faces, but can trust nonetheless that the aspirations of those conversations will be carried through in their absence. Yeah, I think we, 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 we are one of the victims. We are one of the people that are responsible, uh, I must say, admittedly, that we, we have been one of those departments that have contributed to that problem of small businesses not paid in time and some of them even collapsing. But I think with the innovation of the e-invoicing, which is an automated uh, digitalized system, makes it things easier because it removes the human sector on its you know, indeterminate. After the invoice has been received, rectified, and everything processed through, you know, the, the system itself just makes sure that payment gets done. So that is one improvement that we've made. And we've moved. I think we're almost at 67 70% of making sure that we pay within 30 days of, uh, of invoicing. And I think we are making good progress. Our CFO also has put up a lot of systems in improving our procurement and also our supply chain uh, and uh, uh, you know, processes. We also have got a new director now at the, at the procurement uh, uh, space where we are hoping that new innovations will help us move forward. We'll talk about the app in that it wants to be a people-centered, clinical-led, and stakeholder-driven healthcare system. And this is how Umbilo, the app that is, is going to assist in that regard. Before the app, before me as a consumer of healthcare services, among yourselves, if you like, the persons who are there charged with the delivery of public health care, what checks and balances and measures are there? Yes, you've spoken about the CFO putting in measures of this kind, having these conversations with businesses, big and small. When they are not there, when I am not complaining, when I just want to get health care in the manner that is ascribed to in the Constitution, the manner in which it's supposed to be, even from a clinical perspective, that person who is in charge of health care in South Africa or the Department of Gauteng's Healthcare is the nurse that I'm dealing with. It's that porter. It is whoever I am interacting with in the public health care system. From an HR training, development, ethical conduct, anything of the kind in making sure that the person who is you effectively at the coalface of public health care has the requisite professionalism, ethical content, as well as compassion to deliver on the service. What is happening for those persons to sufficiently empower them? Yes, we, we, we remember we spoke about our uh, employee value proposition uh, program, which is the program aimed at elevating and improving the staff morale. Uh, in our in our in our department, and part of the EVP program is the training, retraining, and reskilling of our of our staff members, whether it's a portal security guard, on how they will handle and 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 conduct themselves when they are dealing and interacting with patients in the in the health facility. 
and we are going to work with HPCSA, which is a professional body uh, for all the health professionals that are there. We are also going to work with the nursing council to make sure that we deal with it. So the EVP is not about only the recognition and only also about the complaints, but it's also about the training and empowering of our staff members to be able to deal with difficult situations and also to have a strategic uh, thinking in terms of when they realize that the world would be full or the, uh, the space would be full, they take proactive steps to try and prevent that to happen. So mm-hmm. we have put in a, a program where we'll be launching it very soon um, where we'll, we'll be talking to the issues of rewards and actually recognition. That program so will be launched. We, we had one a program that we actually liked, which we thought it should be one of the part that, of the EVP program, the one that says that it's about saving with a smile, you know, and they've got a wall of fame of all the employees that they put up every time when they went an extra mile in doing that. But I think these are small things that will help us to, to build up uh, the whole system in terms of uh, the staff morale. Mshagazi, I, I just do want to confirm, I'm not abusing your time. We have been trying to get through to your counterpart in KZN, um, Mrs. Nomakogus Melanizula. Unfortunately, we cannot get through to her. And I see now we've got 10 minutes left on the clock for the purposes of this show. Do you have another 10 minutes to take calls and answer some outstanding questions from this discussion with us? I would, I would do that. Uh, I think that's our commitment of being transparent. And hopefully the conversation helps us to take the department forward. Awesome. There you have it, fellow South Africans. 891 Bandile Masugu, MEC for Department of Health and Gauteng, is available for another 10 minutes. Questions, calls, comments, anything you want to say to him, you have nine minutes, in fact. Summary of the discussion, 100-day progress report by the MEC for Gauteng Department of Health. This is what we are discussing for another nine minutes now. Dr. Masugu, let's talk now about the fact that you've met over 1,600 members of staff in the provincial head office alone, together with scores more health workers in the province, to understand really their anxieties, hopes and aspirations. And whilst a lot of the time, almost justifiably, we can lament the fact that we don't get the kind of service that is envisaged by the Health Professions Act, if you like, Still, we are dealing with persons who are very traumatized by what they see, who are not always assisted by the system, who don't always have the resources necessary for them to work and be good at their jobs, oftentimes left with very little incentive. What then measures are you putting in place or have put in place or beyond what you've already accounted for will continue to find ways to better manage your human resource and them being sufficiently enthusiastic really and passionate about their work because it is necessary. A lot of the time it's not so much the clinical intervention that determines whether or not I get better but rather the human interface that I engage with at the door of the healthcare facility. How do we empower them? You are, you are actually, actually spot on because I think the, the, the patient experience as one of our priorities improving it is that it's not even about the medicine or whatever you, the, the treatment you put in. It's about the human contact that happens within, you know, because when you are handled with care and, 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 and respect, I think that on its own improves, you know, your own condition. And I think one of the things that we, the EVP program will, will help us with is also just to have a commitment of giving proper tools of trade to all our staff members, you know, starting from the basic things of your uniform 
those are things that we shouldn't even be negotiating or even debating. They should be standard. They should be issued on time. The allowances must be issued on time. In terms of equipment, equipment must be provided, you know, as, as you know, basic equipment for all the other things. We, we still have a big problem, like in California, where you find patients wait for a long time to, to get uh, their lab results, you know, and they then have to wait for another time to get somebody, a doctor, to review them. So waiting time becomes a very big problem, and with the enough stuff that we're going to put in, at least the basics will be done right, particularly in the emergency accident department for now and our labor work across the province. In the first hour, we were in a conversation with one of the chairpersons of the Spring Law Conference taking place in UNISA, just basically talking about 25 years of law, politics, social development and related matters. And it is clear that, at least on his view and some of the persons who called in, that there isn't enough of Africa in the democracy that we enjoy. In that context, then, I mean, this is just one proper stretch of the logic. To what extent, if any, are we incorporating traditional African systems of healthcare into the public healthcare system? Because we know for a fact there are many who believe in that. If you like, allied workers, allied healthcare practitioners, and those persons who might not necessarily meet the book credentials that are required by the World Health Organization or the Health Professions Council of South Africa in the context of MBC, CHB, and medicine that can be dispensed at a pharmacy, but nonetheless are making crucial interventions in healthcare in the country for a sizable community. To what extent are they contemplated in public healthcare, if at all? Well, they, they, they are part of it. I think on the 28th of August, we, we were part of the World Health uh, Celebration of African Traditional Medicine. In, uh, invited by the traditional healers, uh, who or the practitioners who are who are, who are practicing within the, the realm of African tradition, and we recognize the fact that they will play an important role, you know, in making sure that our access is fine, you know, and it's it's, it's purely uh, done properly. Sure, uh, doc. They, 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 sorry, they, sorry, they, sorry, they, sorry, they, sorry, doc. Yes. Sorry, hold that thought. I have to take again a break, otherwise it's going to cut you. I'm sorry to do this, but okay. we'll be back right no after problem. this. 2142, the SABC would like to fill the following executive vacancies within the organization. One, Group Executive Corporate Affairs. Two, Group Executive Technology. Three, Group Executive Television. Three positions. If you are interested in applying for any of these positions, please refer to the SABC website, www.sabc.co.za forward stroke vacancies for detailed advertisements and the prescribed electronic application form. The SABC, of course, is not obliged to fill an advertised position. Appointments will be made in accordance with the SABC's Employment Equity Plan and other applicable legislation. The closing date for the applications is 20 September 2019. That is this Friday. And we continue the conversation for the next three or so minutes with Dr. Bandi Limasugu, MEC for Health here in Gauteng. And he was responding to a question he had partially responded to, but for want of time could not. And that is traditional healers, traditional medicines, and those persons who are oftentimes providing a sizable community with health care, but not necessarily always recognized in Western medicine. Please continue, sir. Yes, I, I did make a, a mistake. The World Health Organization, uh, they will celebrate and recognize uh, the role of African traditional medicine on the 31st of August. And we attended, mm-hmm. we attended that ceremony and we, we engaged with them. And I think one of the issues that uh, 
uh, they are most of the time the first time responders. You know, they are the ones that actually respond first in healthcare. Most of the people don't say it in public, but they do visit uh, an African traditional medicine even before they come to visit uh, our facilities. <laughs> so our future facilities would should have the way that we are going to have spaces or um, uh, spaces and platforms where they can be able to practice their 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 their, their trade. You know, but the other challenging issue now is the issue of regulating and registering. You know all of them, but we are in the process working with them to try and create a registry and also to regulate how they will practice and they able to be identifiable in the midst of everything. You know, and they are accountable for their action. They are awesome. in doing that, and we are going to move with speed in, in terms of formalizing, you know, the African the integration of African traditional medicine into the general healthcare. And of course, when you talk about inter- integration, you're also talking about making sure that you appease those sectors of the community who might, for whatever reason, bear skepticism as to the comparability thereof or the medical strength thereof. Because whilst many might use it, there are those who might be even hired voices to discredit what intentions you have with them because they simply cannot relate or do not agree with them being at all medical practitioners. I think the, the one good thing about South Africa is that South Africa is, uh, is, a, is a democratic country and it allows all the views. And we should also not make somebody's views to be ab- absolute truth. You know? Yes. And I think that's what we need to be. You know, that's the constitution that we have. And we have uh, Chinese medicine people who are who are all over the you know the country and the province. We've got South Korean medicine all over, and why not African traditional medicine? We just need to formalize them and integrate them properly. In actual fact, in UKZN, they've done a very uh, important uh, uh, stride. You know, in their campus clinics, in actual fact, they have spaces that are allocated for African traditional medicine practitioners, which I think is groundbreaking and is something that we should learn from going forward. Final question to you, sir, in literally the minute that remains. One day unpaid work. How is that going for you? I mean, you're a gynecologist, of course, and I think you're an obstetrist. That word. You're into obstetrics. Yes. How's that going along and just remaining relevant and on the ground and sort of keeping abreast with the nuances? Yeah, on the 10th, it was also a a gynecological awareness health day. So Mm -hmm. I spent the better part of the morning uh, in the Colpo Scope Clinic which is a clinic that deals with uh, women who come with abnormal partners from the clinic. You know, and it was so much um, nostalgic, and I felt that I could do it forever. You know, but uh, it's going on nicely, but I still want to get most of my colleagues to, to do the same. You know, Hopefully, when we go to the next one, uh, we're going to have a lot of our colleagues also giving their time uh, you know, to the community. Absolutely, brother. You're doing well. We appreciate your honesty. We appreciate your being very accessible. Thanks as well to your chief of staff, David Maimela. You're doing a great job, and we will be happy to be your partners in continuing this dialogue, for it speaks to two things, accountability and transparency. Definitely. We are definitely going to come back to the show again to talk more about the advances that we are making, and definitely we are making some positive uh, advances.
Indeed. Dr. Bandi Masugu, MEC for Department of Gauteng Health. Thank you, sir, so much for your time. 100 days in the job. Let's look forward to another 100 days, if not 100 years, of positivity in Gauteng Health.